Hey there, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach specializing in traumas and addictions. And today, I'd like to talk with you about love and sex addiction. This is a very sensitive subject, and I know that I've had so many people ask me about, well, how do I know if I'm addicted to sex or love? And more importantly, how do I not let it destroy my career or my love life and all these other areas? Well, glad you asked. Today, we're going to talk about an overview of love and sex edition coming to you after this short break. Hey there, and we're back. So glad that you are choosing to spend your time with me. If this is your very first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe, follow button wherever you're listening. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, you'll be able to listen to it lickety split. And for those of you guys who have been listening, wow. I want to ask you to A, share this podcast with someone else. That way we can spread the message far and wide. Also, write a review. If you've been listening and you've been enjoying the content, why don't you let other people know? Not only does it help signal to me what you want to hear more of, it helps other people know that this is a podcast worth listening to. And also check out info.denisechilee.com slash connect. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes below. There you'll be able to message me directly, sign up to my free weekly mailing list, which I drop every Monday morning, as well as other helpful tips and advice. Now, this subject that I'm going to be talking about, love and sex edition, is a very sensitive subject. And I just want to make sure that everyone is clear is that this podcast is not going to at any means substitute for any type of counseling, therapy, coaching. This is not it. This is just to help you provide an overview to see whether or not this is worth exploring more if you're dealing with something that is aligned with this. And as you're listening to this, the the topic of love and sex edition, I want you to think Well, it may not be love and sex. It may be a substance. It may be something else. Because what I find with people who are struggling with addictions, it is a situation where you may not have a struggle with love and sex per se, but you might struggle with being addicted to online gambling or fill in the blank. So I just want you to keep an open mind as you're listening to what I have to say, because I definitely know that there are people who have a lot of shame and a lot of social stigma attached to the idea of, oh, I'm not addicted. I'm just a go-getter. And I just use fill in the blank as a reprieve or I'm not a addict. I just use this when things get hairy. Look, I'm not here to try to judge you or to say whether or not you are addicted or not, because obviously, unless you're my client one-on-one, I I don't know anything about you. All I can do right now is share with you my own experience, strength, and hope, my own story, and the hopes that if this is something that you can identify with, you're going to want to investigate this a little bit more further. That being said, my background, you may not have this experience, and that's not the point. What I would like you to do is to listen to what I have to say and see if you can relate to the escalation and obsession, okay? Now, for those of you guys who haven't heard my story, I'll just kind of start from the beginning. It's worth listening to it, even if you heard it before, because I know that every time I tell a story, I might add a little bit more information that I didn't expand upon on the previous recording or the previous podcast episode. So I'm really happy to always kind of talk about this for myself because every time I talk about this, I'm very clear about where I was 
and where I am now. And it's so funny. Before I kind of just even go into my story, I'll just say that everybody thinks that they have hit the bottom of the pile and that there's absolutely no way that they can recover from addiction or from a trauma or any type of stuff. And I'm here to tell you, absolutely, you can. Absolutely, there is a point where you can grow and evolve. You don't have to stay stuck like your parents or your relatives or fill in the bank. There is always more ahead of you than behind you. Remember, the story of your life is just commas, not periods, meaning that there's always so much more, okay? Now, for me, if I had to kind of summarize what my addiction was, it was hunger for love. And for many of us, what we do to fill in that gap, that hunger, is to more or less replicate what we experience in our early formative years, the people around us, because they laid out, they model example as to how you're supposed to not just brush your teeth or get dressed or do certain things, but how you're supposed to interact and reach with people for our human connections. And unfortunately, my experience about connections was through sexual assault, sexual trauma, okay? For those of you don't who know, my mother sexually abused me prior to my first period. And why do I say that point of prior to my first period? Patrick Carnes, Dr. Patrick Carnes, he's one of the pioneers of sex addiction. He um, goes into theory and explains that when young girls who are sexually stimulated prior to their first period trigger a lot of dopamine receptors. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, neuroregulator, however you want to call it. And basically what it does is it signals to your mind, hey, this is something that we want more of it because that's the only no, the only feeling we know that we get love. We get to feel connected with someone. And unfortunately for me and my experience, it was through sexual touch, Okay. Let's think of it another way. Imagine back in the Viking eras or whatever, where the Vikings or some invading army comes and after they pillage the the country and kill off all the men, what do they do with the women and children? They take advantage of the women and children sexually. And the women and the children, in order to not get killed off by the invaders, they become receptive and very available to sexuality. And when I think and I read about all those stories about celebrities and certain people who are porn stars or adult actresses, however you want to call it, are people who seem very provocative, more often than not, they were sexually assaulted prior to their first period. And what happens is if you don't heal from the trauma, you're going to want to seek more and more and more of it and the hopes in your mind to A, to recreate the same traumatic experience, but also to retell the story with a happy ending. All of us as human beings, we want closure. We want finality. And if we can't have finality with a person who abused us or traumatized us, we're going to try to want that, recreate that same emotional experience with other people. And as that as such, I try to 
uh, replicate that experience over and over and over. And I'll, as I kind of tell more of my story, see as you're looking at your life, can you identify, can you relate to some of the things that I'm saying? Because for a lot of us, we may not have the same experiences, but we may have that same level of escalating, of seeking more and more traumatic, abusive, volatile situations in order to feel validated. Okay. So I mentioned the situation with my mother, but that's not all folks. I also observed through, remember I was telling you earlier about we model what we see from our family and friends. For me, I modeled also the chaotic and very painful relationships I observed from my parents. My father, while quote unquote, being a family man was also a rolling stone. He was very open, in fact, very happy about sharing about his sexual exploits and having women on the side and doing all the such, such stuff like that. Now, he may not talk with me directly, but I knew that he talked about it with other men around me. And it was very sad. It was very disheartening. And it just made me feel as if that well, you shouldn't expect anything from men because all they want to do is pleasure seek and they want to have a good time and they just want to party. They want to be Peter Pan's. And as such, I thought, well, the only people that will be attracted to me would be the same type of people that are like my father would be feminine men, the Peter Pan. There's actually a wonderful book called The Peter Pan Syndrome that kind of talks about that. Basically, feminine men or boys that really want to be cherished and nurtured and feel good about themselves at the expense of your feelings, meaning the the woman. They're the guys who are in six, seven years of college with 120 credits and they still aren't close to graduating. They're the person that will string you on for a 15, 20 year engagement if you let them. They're the guys that never want to commit to anything or anyone. And the reason behind this is because they don't want any responsibility. I've, I remember I was thinking about a conversation I had with a client and she said that she was been with this man for 20 years. She has two kids and she still wants to get married. And he keeps saying, we'll get married one day. And now she finally woke up to the courage and said, you know what? I've been sick and tired of believing the lie because in my mind, I didn't feel like I was worthy of being loved. And that took a lot of bravery for my client to finally admit that. Because for so many of us, we've been trained to model against what we observed from our family and our friends about what it is to be loved. And unfortunately, if we didn't see our the women in our family take care of themselves. Well, it teaches not only the other girls, but us also the boys that, well, women shouldn't take care of themselves. And it's kind of weird. As I'm recording this podcast in 2023, women are graduating at a higher rate from college. Women are participating in the workforce just as close as men, but yet still women are settling for crumbs in relationships. And settling for men who don't want to cherish their feelings, men who don't want responsibilities, men who don't want to take charge for anything. And I've, I've seen women proudly just assume that that's the way it is. I remember I was literally waiting in line uh, at a store to return something. There was a woman who was, she looked like she was in her mid-30s, and she had a t-shirt that says, I'm raising my husband to become a man. 
And I thought to myself, that's the saddest thing in the world. You're raising your husband to be a man. He should already have done his manhood training before you showed up on the scene. Okay. And this is my, my public service announcement to any woman who is, or any man who is in a relationship with a very immature person. It's a better to leave the bastard of the bitch than to suffer for life by living with them. Too many of us are staying in subpar relationships, thinking, hoping that if we just give them enough time, they're going to change. Look, the only way they're going to change is through your absence. So ask yourself right now whether or not you need to suffer alongside them or improving your own mental health and attracting someone that will cherish your feelings or respect your thoughts. Okay. We all need to have a partner that will cherish our feelings above our wants. And men who don't want responsibility are boys and they want free things without any commitments. Okay. So ask yourself about that because I myself, I'm grateful. I was almost close once to marrying a man, well, a feminine man who didn't want any responsibility. So ask yourself right now, what do you want for you? But getting back to my own story, when we are looking and hunting for something that is like what reminds us of our trauma, it snowballs into so much more problems, not just for ourselves, but everyone around us. And the reason is because of the addiction cycle. When a person gets into their addiction and they either have unprotected sex or just risky behavior or whatever it is, the reward center in your brain fires and secretes dopamine. And that triggers a really good feeling and reinforces the motivation to repeat that same thing over and over again. And that's what's called escalation. And I remember even myself thinking about my own life. I was reading romance novels at eight years old. Now, why is an eight-year-old reading romance novels? Well, because I was in a dysfunctional family environment, that's why, okay? Enough said about that. And so it's not surprising that I'm reading romance novels at eight. And then at age 15, I'm reading hardcore porn. Meanwhile, I'm excessively masturbating daily. And so that desire to feel loved and affection and also those hits of dopamine through um, self-induced orgasm had to be escalated. It had to go elsewhere. And I was involved with married men. I was involved with people who consumed substances, mostly alcohol. I was I was attached to a people who were work addicts. Here's the thing, addicts like addicts because nobody wants to call it the other person's addiction issues because both of them are having the same kind of problems and nobody wants to rock the boat and talk about their own stuff, okay? And for so many of us with love and sex addiction, we just think that if we can just change them or we can just do something differently, if I just dress up differently or if I got the the right job or if I hung out with the right friend or fill in the blank, I can make them love me. I can make them want to be there for me and show up for me and do certain things. But here's the thing. If we're hurt and we're damaged inside, all we're going to do is just reinforce the same dysfunctional patterns. You're more or less going to be dating or involved with the sex, same person, sex, same issues, but just different names. And that's kind of the hallmark of love and sex addiction is that not only does it escalate in terms of you're just doing more and more provocative and dangerous things, you're also associating with people who are more or less reinforce the desire for you to want to 
take over their own fort source of autonomy in order for you to justify your existence. And so for a lot of people who suffer through either love and sex addiction, they also suffer through codependency issues. Codependency issues meaning that you literally cannot feel good about yourself. You're people pleasing in order for you to feel good about your existence. And this idea that I can't feel good about myself unless you feel good about what I'm doing can just spiral for you to do escalating things over and over and over and over again. I I think about one particular client that I was working with and by the end of the time she broke up with her boyfriend, she already gave him $200,000. And you may ask, how in the world did she give up $200,000? Well, it didn't happen at once, friend. What happened was they first met and a couple of $20 loans turned into $100 loans to help me with this $1,000 thing. My Or my car broke down. Oh, I need $2,000. And it just started escalating and escalating and escalating to the point where she was giving this man tens of thousands of dollars. And you would think that he was grateful. If anything, he was very angry and very volatile about asking to pay, um, every time she asked to pay back the money or anytime she was asking more, better, or different from um, this particular uh, person that she was dating. And it only hit, came to a head where the relationship ended when she literally had no more money to give and the guy found a better deal elsewhere that didn't demand as much and had more money. And she was distraught. She's like, my client was distraught. She's like, how, how do I deal with this? How do I know how to move on because my trust was so violated. And the fact of the matter is she had no boundaries to give because she was more or less re-traumatizing herself through meeting people who were just as sick as she was, just in different ways. And so love and sex addiction is such a very sensitive subject because for so many of us, it involves us admitting the things that we thought we were doing that was good. And makes us question whether or not, my goodness, like what is really reality? I really thought that I was doing the right thing. And if anything, I was getting myself further down the rabbit hole with this new person. Same type of drama, new name. I'll never forget going to lots of therapists, lots and lots of therapists. And I remember was talking with one particular therapist. She was actually a nun, by the way. And she was reviewing certain documents and she, unbeknownst to me, she was having me fill out this questionnaire for a sex edition. And your girl scored out an eight out of 10. The only thing that I uh, scored no on is, do you ever want to have sex with animals? Or do you ever tempted to have sex with kids? So those are the two things that got me flat in reality about what my issues were because I was having problems at work. I was dressing provocatively at work. I was flirting with all the guys at work. I just could not think about things unless it involves some type of sexual twinge. That's what happens when you're in sex addiction. You don't just turn off your brain thinking about sex and connecting and and dating just when you're outside of the office hours. It comes all encompassing. I think about Harvey Weinstein and I think about how he 
was using his power as a producer to seduce women and some in some cases obviously force them to do sexual acts with him and this is the problem when you you're feeding this addiction instead of feeding the emptiness instead of dealing with the trauma because most people who are addicted are using it to cover over extreme stress or trauma that's just a fact okay and they're working so darn hard at avoiding the pain and trying to gratify themselves that the addiction gets stronger and stronger. It's because it is an issue of tolerance. And what tolerance is, what I'm talking about is that one hit is never enough. Just like snoring a line of coat, you want more and more and more. So you're dating one person. Well, why don't we up the ante and date two people? Why don't we have unprotected sex with a third person randomly while getting drunk? Why don't we start fights with people at work so that we can justify having an affair with somebody else because we're still stressed out at work? I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through if you are dealing with that. You may not even have an issue where you're being sexual with other people. You may have a sexual anorexic issue. Let me explain what that means is certain people have been so traumatized, they want to avoid any form of sexuality as much as possible. They might even be married. I remember thinking about one uh, client I worked with many years ago. She did not have sex with her husband for three years, three straight years. And unbeknownst to her, maybe she probably did know in the back of her mind, was that her husband had a mistress on the side to fulfill his own sexual needs. She used sex as a weapon and the, even the thought of discussing sex or talking about sex made her body just felt locked up in terror because she couldn't even wrap her mind around exposing her body, being vulnerable. Because when we're having sex with someone, it is not just a physical act. It's a spiritual connection. It's emotional vulnerability. If you're not able to feel in touch with yourself spiritually, emotionally, there's no way you can physically touch someone without feeling a loss of yourself. And so my client decided just to stop interacting, stop on on a sexual level. And it's taken a lot of healing for herself as well as her husband to arrive at the point where they're learning to connect with each other, not just sexually, but emotionally. So now you're listening to this and you're like, okay, well, I may not identify with everything you got to say, Denise, but I definitely see that I have a problem. I know that there is things that need to be examined. And I'm really glad that you have the honesty and that you're willing to do this because what I find so much is with entrepreneurs It's so easy to cover up their love and sex addiction issues because all you can do is just, you take that same energy of having sex and doing all these scary things with certain people and then just kind of translate into working 10, 12, 15 hours a day. Yeah, 15 hours a day for some entrepreneurs because they have that same drive, that same passion to be in their sex addiction. All it is is just being laterally moved to one other place um, momentarily. And then once you feel exhausted from the working, then you go back to sexing and drug and hard or whatever you're dealing with. And so just the fact that you're realizing that it's a problem, just like drugs and alcohol, is a really step in the right direction. There's too many tombstones filled with graves of people that have avoided their issues successfully until the point where they died of a heart attack or a stroke or whatever issue. And 
I just want to say also that we're not going to solve this part, this problem by just finding a good man or a good woman. We can't simply just change the person that you're with. You have to understand that you can train even a good person or a good bad person to abuse you because of the unrealized traumas. I remember I was thinking about one particular relationship that I had where I really insisted on very violent sex. I insisted on it because that's the only sex that I thought I could enjoy. And my the person that I was with felt ex- extremely uncomfortable and justifiably so. Who wants to have uh, knockdown, throw out, you know, S&M type sex? It just kind of gets exhausting if you are not wired for pain. Kind of reminds me of the book, um, A Taste for Pain by Maria Marcos. It's a very powerful book talks about how certain women and men too can literally get wrapped up in sadomasochistic tendencies, okay? So we're not going to try to find solution in another person. We're going to learn to investigate the source of the pain. Who hurt us? How do they hurt us? When did it happen? Why is it impacting you now? Because for so many of us, we have learned in our business and other areas to kind of just sweep up away the pain instantaneously instead of understanding that if I'm not dealing with this pain, this pain is still dealing with me, okay? And the way we we deal with it is we investigate the source of the pain. And what what we do is we examine how it has impacted us in our lives, okay? And then we also are going to learn about crafting a new image of ourselves. Too many of us have thought we are no good, we're nobody, we're not doing anything good because of the things that we've done to ourselves and other people. And that's not the case. We all have issues. We all are struggling with some something, some people more than others. And part of it is also understanding that You are not defined by your trauma. You are not defined by the past experiences that you've had. You have a new way of being and doing when you have the tools. And this is more of a one-on-one client session kind of conversation because in addition to obviously dealing with the trauma issues, there's a lot of other things, breath work, understanding who you are, communicating with love rather than intimidating people with threats or seducing people with shame. And all this needs training to kind of undo certain of the messaging that you're exposed to, okay? And the last thing I just want to say is please get professional support. I don't care if you go somewhere else, you contact me, just get someone who actually gets you and understands what you're dealing with and not just something that they just read through a book or got some professional courses on, someone who actually has known what it is that you have gone through so they can be able to catch you when you want to play games or you want to dodge the the pain. Because look, here's the thing. For many, many years of my life, I was an avoidant personality. I didn't want to connect. I didn't want to share my feelings at a deeper level because I was afraid of being ridiculed or being criticized or, oh, you should get over it because it was 20, 30, 
40 or whatever years ago. No, you're not over it. Here's the thing with the trauma. If you're not dealing with the trauma, it can just rub you just raw and deep as if it happened just yesterday. Because what happens is our body is intrinsically linked to the emotions and the feelings to it. So you can have a lot of strong emotions that still are alive even now. Your body might tense up. You might your your palms might sweat. If you're in a situation that reminds you of things that stressed you out, caused you frustration, I remember thinking about one conversation I had with a client, and I was just asking her about her mother and certain things happened. She was crying as if it happened yesterday. When in fact we were talking about things that happened 25 years ago with her. This is the thing. You need a safe place to talk about these things. You have a need a safe place to work through it so it doesn't tr- have problems with your business, having problems with your kids, having problems with fill in the blank. You deserve to live a better life. Okay. So I know that I talked a lot about this idea of we don't have to let our issues of the past sabotage the our obviously our future. So be present right now and ask yourself, what do you need? What do you need to do right now? I want you to take the next step. If that involves contacting me, that's fine. If it involves you listening to this podcast and rethinking some things, that's fine. You know that next step and I just want you to take it. Okay. So what did I say that was really impactful? I love to hear from you. Send me a message via anchor.fm slash Denise T. Lee. Contact me info.denisechilee.com slash connect or you know, <laughs> obviously take my life script course. I actually am leaving a link for the life script course too, where you'll learn how your past influence your present right now. And that's going to be a really game changer for some of you guys who have been feeling like you've been spinning wheels and not really getting too far ahead despite all your ambitions. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will write a review, share this podcast with someone else if you found value in it. All right, well, take care and be awesome.